0: With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way with a gun. No, there's the traditional way where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs you a small fortune. Or there's the good way, which is Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award winning protection. Not one, but two times. These dudes have won the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Best thing about Simply Safe blankets your whole entire home in safety in a blanket of defense they call it th- they don't call it anything but either way you get comprehensive protection from your entire home outdoor cameras doorbells alert you to anyone approaching the home entry motion glass break sensors guard inside the only thing that they don't provide attack dogs why Cost is too high food's very expensive. But you barely notice that the system is there. You don't even need attack dogs because it's so remarkable that you can actually set up this system by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes thirty minutes to an hour tops. And there's absolutely no trade-offs in your safety. You will have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, twenty-four seven. And it's only fifty cents a day with no contracts. That's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com/team today, and you'll get free shipping and a sixty-day risk-free trial. You got nothing to lose. Go now. Be sure you go to S-I-M-P-L-I safe.com slash team. That's simply slash team.
1: unprecedented amounts of time while captive in our respective abodes we have taken advantage of the opportunity the washington dc outpost having received unheard of amounts of lysol and dust murphy's oil applied with miles of swifter pad sponges and abandoned bath towels now finds itself as germ-free as a darpa clean room Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of the Armchair All-Americans Network. It is April 5th, 2020. This is Tom coming to you from the Sawdust Studios at the Washington, D.C. Outpost. And Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost. You get a little cleaning done there at the Houston Outpost, Nicholas?
0: Yeah, this place looks like it belongs to some sort of OCD crack fiend. I don't know if crack fiend's clean or maybe like somebody who did preludin. Which was that speed drug that the Beatles used to use back in the Hamburg days, by the way, Beatles. This is kind of interesting, right? I think, I think Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in the book about the 10,000 hours, Outliers. Well, the Beatles, before they became the Beatles, they lived in Hamburg, Germany for two years, playing cover shows in a bar all day long. Because I guess that's how the Germans got down. At that time, there was actually people in these bars all day long, and they would play uh, like something like s- six hours of music every single day, basically seven days a week. They had to learn hundreds of covers, and it was exhausting, and the only way that they got through it w- by, was by taking preludin, which at the time was a legal medication, which is actually... Speed, and that is what enabled them to learn all these songs, and then consequently, you could argue that's what got them to their ten thousand hours rule. Maybe gave them such a um, thorough knowledge of how pop songs were structured. I'm also hoping to uh, 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 um, to accomplish the same thing over here, minus the prelude in, because yeah, the house is clean, a lot of music being made, and uh, yeah, a lot of hands being washed. Brilliant. is that the precursor to Five Hour Energy? I'm, you know, by the way, after you said it, I'm like, I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, and there's somebody yelling at the podcast right now, but it it, it, it definitely is the precursor to Five Hour Energy, um, energy, in a, in a big way though. It's the uh, Formula One version of the Five Hour Energy. If Five Hour Energy is boxcar racing.
1: The Steelers reached back into the back seat to slap their little XFL brother and grab him to the front seat again, picking up Dwayne Hendricks, a, Pitt, a Great. graduate of Pitt in 2018. He's bounced around as an unrestricted free agent for the last couple of years among Miami, Jacksonville, and the Bears. He made the practice squad. So um, he got his debut with the St. Louis Battlehawks. Had four tackles and a
0: sack. Hopefully this is the last time we ever talk about (laughs) (laughs) it. Yeah, there's not a lot of big signings going on right now, but when you see an edge rusher or a defensive end being signed, you just can't help but think of how funky this draft is, and we keep talking about it every week. Like, are they going, you know, how are they going to be able to pick these guys up? Are they going to be able to to develop Skipper or Ola to be Bud's successor? or to be the third edge player uh, for this year? Or are they going to have to draft a guy in the second round to fill those roles? Let me ask you this. What do you think if you know the the best guy available for them ends up being an edge in in the second round? Or there's a safety and a receiver and an edge who are all at comparable value levels and they took an edge? I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing in the world. Like even if you somehow are able to keep Bud long-term. So I could see how people would be annoyed with that because it seems like, okay, you have two great edge rushers if you do get Bud locked up long-term. Why would you want another one? But defensive line, including edge rushers, it's a good position to have another you know, guy to come in for them. More than really any other position on the field, you want waves of those, of those guys. And the Steelers' front seven has really been the strength of as of the last year, uh, if not a little bit further than that. And uh, it wouldn't be a horrible pick that way, although I guess they wouldn't have to um, worry too much about that if Dwayne Hendricks is secretly a superstar.
1: My perspective has congealed into a hardened amber shell at this point. I think, in order of priority, it is an edge rusher, then it's an inside linebacker, and then it's safety, which I'm prepared to talk about near closer to the end of the show Mm might still look through tape but that is the I think that is the order of need right now if you talk about and it is all about depth I think I'm, I'm relatively comfortable with safety compared to linebacker and edge rusher I mean look at Bud's injury history even if he's on the field half the time he's got a broken wing
0: Right. I, th- I think that's a good point. And it's just such an important position. It's like what Bill Parcells always used to say. You pay the guy who throws the ball. You pay the guy who protects the guy who throws the ball. And then you pay the guy who tackles the guy who throws the ball. So quarterbacks, tackles, and edge rushers. Now, it's interesting that you say that inside linebacker is your second priority because I I, I generally agree. Like, I'm not saying that it's de- definitively my second priority, but I do think inside linebacker is an issue. Like, I, I love... Bush starting with Vince Williams. I know Vince is a, a little bit limited in coverage, but all things considered, I think everybody who's a Pittsburgh fan knows the guy's a really good player. He's a great run defender. He's a fantastic blitzing inside linebacker, and he's a great communicator, and he's a leader, especially with Ramon gone. It's really, I feel like Vince and Pouncey are the biggest leaders outside of Ben, but I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, unless you want to hop to it now. Uh, I think Mar- Marco Caballi said something about what Colbert Was talking about in terms of like, it seems like Colbert's giving out the indication that they're not prioritizing that inside linebacker spot, which is interesting because, like I said, I like Bush and Vince, but behind that, you have no idea what's up. I mean, you have Ulysses Gilbert, who you and I both love his athletic ability, but he's like a six round pick who didn't play his rookie year. So you can't possibly say you can count on him, but it looks like Kevin Colbert isn't prioritizing the position. Usually, when he says that before the draft, He's telling you who they're gonna draft or who they're not gonna draft. So I find that pretty interesting. Yeah,
1: you know, I'm not sure what Cabaldi means and I read the article by not prioritizing. We haven't talked to any free agents, is that the issue?
0: Well, Cabal or I think um, Colbert just said he feels comfortable with the group that they have in inside linebacker with Vince Williams and and Bush. And like I agree, I like those guys a lot, but what do we have behind that?
1: Does that mean that he usually says something like, I'm very uncomfortable with our inside linebackers?
0: No, he does say something like it's a really deep edge uh, class and like that's something we're going to prioritize a couple years ago when they got TJ Watt. And then last year, before they ended up trading up for Devin Bush, when everybody was asking him questions about the draft during that process, he said, we didn't do a good enough job of replacing Ryan Shazier last year. And then they went and traded, made their biggest trade of all time, well, in a long time, to go up and get Bush. So he really does uh, kind of tell you where they're going to lean in the draft that way.
1: But that's talking retrospectively about last year. It's obvious they didn't.
0: No, know. no, it was before they drafted Bush. They said, my point he, he, is he said, to- we need to get an inside linebacker, and then they went and they got one.
1: Because it was obvious based on the body of... Evidence that you needed one, as opposed to now. He's not. He's not. He's not criticizing his current stable of linebackers, right? But let's face it. He is he comfortable with Ulysses Gilbert and Robert Spillane? That's not to say he feels solid about the guys that are. I just don't think he's going to badmouth united's I mean, his current roster. That's what The right. point is, I
0: don't. I don't think. I don't. I don't. I just think that that means he's. They're not. There's no way they're taking one in the second round. Like they'll take one, but when when he, he's honest about what they need and what they don't need. He doesn't trash other players. He didn't say you know, he they just tend to give you an indication of where they go and when he says I'm happy with this group, it doesn't mean he's not gonna pick up any players, but it usually means like, oh, he's not gonna trade or pick up a free agent or use a high draft pick on one of those guys and I find that interesting but maybe that helps us solve the mystery of which position they are going to go for in that second round because usually you can parse those comments out from Colbert the same way you can sort of whittle down the Steelers picks anybody's followed this podcast or really any other any other Steelers podcast knows that like first round picks for the Steelers are power five school guys great athletic testers Usually an underclassman, and then sometimes with an NFL bloodline. We need to talk about Watt or Edmonds or some of these guys, and um, like there's just, and they also have to have had some of the brass physically at the prospects pro day like if Tomlin or Colbert isn't at the guys pro day they're not taking them in the first round so there are certain signifiers when it comes to the Steelers on who they're going to take do I think that him saying they're happy with the inside linebackers means they're not going to take an inside linebacker in the second round I do think that now could they take one in the third who knows but it's so interesting with all the different directions that they could go
1: Kaboli was focused on DM Buchanan who late of the Giants, who won't be bringing him back next year. So Buchanan was a first-round pick in 2014 by the Cardinals, right. played safety for a year, and then was moved to hybrid linebacker. And I think the reason he's put, putting it uh, Buchanan is we could probably afford him at this point. He's bounced around a bit.
0: It but a little bit of need. I haven't too. watched him play enough. but.
1: Well, I find it. I mean, he's he went out and did the homework. I figured I'd just let everybody know about that. No, that's but a good I, one
0: because also like he's, he serves a little bit of two purposes if he's because i do know that he's a hybrid a bit of like a tweener so we like a mark Barron and that didn't work out well last year but maybe if this is a cheaper price that's a guy who you can keep on the field and passing downs or whatever and yeah that actually is a name that makes a lot of sense if the money makes sense i mean the problem
1: is vince williams number of snaps have gone down by half from the previous year i mean you you have two solid guys one of them who's not going to make a – is going to play about half the season or half the number of snaps.
0: Yeah. I, well, I think that those are going to shoot back up. I think that they really rolled the dice on Mark Barron despite the opinion of a lot of people who really know football who didn't even like the signing in the beginning. And then they just stuck to their gun and tried to keep him in. And I think that Vince Williams is better than Mark Barron and he's just going to play more this year.
1: If he can. That's that's sort of the problem.
0: Well, it wasn't injury-related. It was, no, he's
1: just 30 years old. and
0: I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I think he's going to come back up. It's a weird career to have, though, right? To be like a six-round pick who's, who has to play and spot duty constantly as a rookie. He started a ton as a rookie because of all the injuries. And then works his way up to become a starter, gets demoted for a free agent who isn't even that good, and then now is going to basically become the starter again. So it's a weird career for Vince, but I'm glad to see him back on the field more. I wish we had seen him more last year.
1: Uh, the strategy was to preserve his aging body, only to Brilliant. bring him out in the Super Bowl window. Did, year. Once Ben went After down, they said down, throw, exactly. throw Baron in there. Nice. Antonio Brown is back in the news. No fault of his mm-hmm. own. Well, it is his fault, but the wheels of justice grind slowly, but they are grinding. He has uh, been formally charged with two felonies, oh. burglary conveyance. Mm -hmm. Misdemeanor battery. Oh, one felony. It's only one felony. I stand corrected. Burglary, conveyance and misdemeanor battery and misdemeanor criminal mischief. After he turned himself in on January 23rd after a delivery truck driver alleged Brown and his trainer assaulted him outside of Brown's Florida home.
0: Well, he's back in the news for more reason than one. Just uh, that, you know, as a human being, doesn't make me feel good. Them bringing back up the, the terroristic antics of Antonio Brown but as a Steelers fan knowing that this just makes it even more unlikely that anyone's going to want to get involved with him uh, from a standpoint of another team signing him it's pretty nice you know what else was nice was Bruce Arians coming out in the media last week and explicitly saying that they're not going to sign Antonio Brown despite all the conjecture about Tom Brady wanting him there and basically saying because I know the guy I know our locker room he's not a fit He's called Antonio Brown an asshole or something like that in public while all this stuff was going down in Pittsburgh. So I think we all had a feeling that Arians wouldn't want to sign Brown, especially when you already have Goodwin and and, uh, Mike Evans there. But I I can't lie. It felt pretty nice hearing him call him out and saying that he's not going to play with Tom Brady.
1: I just have to read this one line from the article I read. The misdemeanor battery charge states that Brown was, quote, actually and intentionally striking the driver <laughs> against his will.
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> I then tried to re
1: imagine. As opposed to
0: Thursday nights like when
1: it's he's consensual. faking striking and I I will the striking. It's a masochistic
0: Yeah, well it starts I don't know. It goes to somewhere uh awkward and um I don't want to say erotic, but I don't want to go to to see what the opposite of that would be. Okay, well, moving on. Another reason why he was in the news, again, terrifying, is he was working out with Lamar Jackson and his cousin Marquise Brown on a field. Who knows where? I don't know where it was. It really doesn't matter. But, yeah, Brown was working out with his cousin and Lamar and. It's just, uh, I, yeah, again, I doubt that he would sign with the Ravens. He works out with people all the time. He worked out with Cam Newton before his last year in Pittsburgh. He works out with people. That's what he does. He works out all the time. He loves attention. So, what's going to happen. Also, Marquise Brown is his cousin. But there's still, of course, is just that level of terror underneath where you're like, is this guy really going to go play for the Patriots and then the damn Ravens? And the Ravens could really use him. They could afford him. They really need another receiver. I highly, highly doubt that they would do that because they're too functional. I'd be absolutely shocked if it happened. But right now, it's conjecture season. You know, it's time to think up these scenarios, and I can't think of a worse one than him making the Ravens unbeatable.
1: He still has to go through the NFL gauntlet if he comes back. Let's, let's you know, you got to address that.
0: Right, and the felony charge, you know, another felony charge here makes it just more difficult, which is, you know, a uh, sad story from a fall, fall from grace.
1: What's the band that's uh, ben, ben Loves? Ben Folds 5? Ben Folds 5? All right, so that doesn't apply. Eric loves Ben. That's what I'm trying to say. Gotcha. <laughs> Eric Ebron met Ben at a spiritual conference, players' conference, last January. Where this right. goes back to something you said midseason. I forget if you were talking about Juju and um, Mason yes. about how you want to yeah, stay yeah. in the good graces. Eric is not leaving anything to chance. I think he's just planting seeds. And during a during a conference call on Thursday with Pittsburgh area meeting, he said he struck me as someone I'd love to play with. If about I could be Ben's
0: best friend, kind of like I was with Drew. Andrew, yeah. He uh, Eric sounds annoying if I were the quarterback. <laughs> no, Eric Gibran's super cool. He's very charismatic guy. I think uh, Pittsburgh fans will love him, even though he's not the traditional Steelers tight end in terms of being hard-nosed and everything. He's... But when he's jumping over people and scoring touchdowns, I think everyone will be happy with him. By the way, some other people have made a good point that Eric Ebron also did come out this past week and say that his ankle is not totally healed. I think he had surgery on like both ankles or something crazy. So that does sort of terrify me and reminds me a lot of the Ladarius Green situation because Ladarius Green is going to go forgotten by Pittsburgh fans. But I can't express... This guy wasn't just good when he was healthy for like a grand total of three games. He was borderline dominant. I mean, he had that like 139 yard against the game against the Giants. He played every time he played, he was a factor. And that was really impressive. And so, but the injuries, the concussions really are what derail everything. Maybe this is why the Steelers were able to get a bargain on Ebron. They, they hopped on a guy who's got a bit of a questionable medical uh, as early as they can. And I got to say, I love it. I like taking that risk. We, as a podcast, have been on board with saying in these last few years of Ben's career, this offensive line's career, the defensive line's career, you know, they're a little bit younger, but still, um, you got to go all in and take some risks like that. And I like it and hopefully it pays off. But back to Ebron being Ben's best friend, I think that he, like Antonio Brown and like Juju, they know who – Throws them the ball. They know who butters their bread. Antonio Brown was unbelievable about always heaping praise on Ben. He I, I gotta give him credit. He was very slick. He never said anything bad about Ben one single time ever until the drama went down in Pittsburgh. Even after the Denver radio show fiasco, he just said that like Ben's the leader. You know, if he thinks that, I don't know. He handled it so impressively and. I do think that Ben and A.B. had a decent relationship, even though it has been reported as being up and down. But I just think when two guys make each other millions and millions of tens of millions of dollars, I think that you have a, you know, some level of enjoyment with each other. But you could always tell with Antonio Brown, the the strategically placed picture of him and Ben. Uh, behind his head so every single time he did interviews at his locker room you saw this picture of AB and Ben and he really knew how to build him up and receivers all the way down to the middle school level do this with the quarterback you know you have to get in good with them but I think that there's a balance to be struck there right where you want to be his best friend we, we've met one time like I know what this is this almost seems fake to me but it's just something funny to look at because Ebron's really charismatic, cool guy, uh, but I don't... Um, I like to hear that he said that, by the way, though, before the Steelers had, were even rumored to sign him. I mean, the Steelers were never rumored to sign him, so he did say they liked Ben before. I'm sure that it helped um, when he's seen Ben light his team up a couple times.
1: I picture E driving up to Ben's house in his 507, reaching into the back seat with his potholders and bringing the roast up to the front door.
0: Well, Ben doesn't invite his receivers over to his house, apparently. So I know that that's really hard to get over. But hopefully, yeah, Eric will make the – maybe Eric will invite him, you know?
1: So for everybody under the misconception that we're going to have a jumbo package with Ebron on the field. Right. He said, Mike Tomlin pretty much told me he was going to put me in the best possible situation to succeed. And that's all I needed to hear. Quote, I won't have to block anybody.
0: Right. That was (laughs) important. Unlike Nick Vanette, by the way, did you see Vanette's interview? Yeah, I that's you saw that.
1: How right? he's, he's upset with his time in Pittsburgh.
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's annoying. So he's he's the only one I can ever think of saying that besides Emmanuel Sanders. So I made the stupid decision to go down the comments on you know a Twitter thread when a Denver reporter was the person who reported this Vanette thing, and some of the Denver fans were like, yeah, you hear a lot of players say that about Pittsburgh, right? Emmanuel Sanders list over like you guys know one former Steeler and it's the one that came to your team just shut up you don't know anything this is what annoys me about people like why don't you just phrase that like oh wow Emmanuel Sanders said the same thing too why don't how in the world can you make the assumption that other people have said that we're a Steelers podcast, but it's without bias. Buy- Anybody who's unbiased about the NFL knows the Steelers, more than almost any other team, have the reputation of being a great place to play for, a great family atmosphere that way. There's a lot of players who have left who have said they shouldn't have left. They didn't realize how good they had it in terms of the Rooney family, and whether it was Cower or Tomlin. A lot of the stories are from the Cower era because uh, a lot of those guys are retired now, you know? But, um... You know, they said they didn't know how good they had it when you start in Pittsburgh and then you leave. And teams don't treat you that way. Owners don't know you by name. And, of course, you know, those guys like Manuel Sanders where they were complicating situations. And then you go and you play with Peyton Manning and you win a Super Bowl. So, yeah, of course, it's not going to work for everybody. But I thought that it was uh, interesting that Vanette said – you know, that he really didn't enjoy his time there. I could see how that could happen because he was brought in kind of as a rush and never really got a chance to become part of the team. He got beat out by like three other tight ends in Seattle. And then John Ledyard made a great retweet comment on Vanette's quotes about not liking Pittsburgh, saying like, yeah, it's not really getting fun getting run over literally every single time you attempt to block somebody in one season. So at least Ebron can catch. Vanette was brought in to be... A traffic cone essentially they're not gonna make ebron do that and i gotta say you, the steelers have done a really good job under mike tomlin kevin Colbert the past few years of adjusting to the times i feel like the steelers were able to play with one style for like 40 years you know the 90s teams had the same ethos as the 70s teams and there was definitely creativity in there i mean just look at cordell And how they used him. I mean, imagine what he could have done in this day and age. But overall, it was always about running game and defense. It seems like the NFL advances a lot quicker these days. It's like every three to five years. It's, okay, now it's spread offenses. Now it's RPOs. Now it's back to power. And the Steelers have done a good job of adjusting. You would have never seen them bring someone in like Ebron 10 years ago. But now they realize, like, hey, this guy could help our team. We saw a guy like Ladarius Green, in theory, help our team if he had been healthy uh so yeah i respect them for bringing in a guy and it is hilarious seeing him say like do eh, not enough to block
1: he didn't say that i just want to be clear right that's my interpretation
0: well basically we because I, I agree i think everyone agrees
1: so even though i said that my priority would be edge rusher inside uh-huh. linebacker then safety i did take a look at the safeties on the draft board And I thought there were a couple of interesting points. Not that I broke these guys down in infinitesimal tape watching. Right. But I just just want to throw some names out there. I'm not even throwing in and predicting that the Steelers will pick them up. But there's something interesting about each of them. And, you know, they would be a candidate because I looked at guys who purportedly will be available in the second round, you know, not taken up too early. First one is Ashton Davis out of Cal. He is one of the top single high safeties in the class. He's obviously got speed, good change of direction. He unloads on ball carries. I mean, the tapes I watch, and of course, all the tapes are highlight tapes, so he's unloading on every single play. But he can flip his hips. The guy, he's he can run forever and fast, covers a lot of ground. The negatives are, he did tend to lose, get lost on his assignments in the plays, which we're used to. We know how to deal with that. We just, and we he's also undersized, so couple of the couple of characteristics the Steelers have historically emphasized.
0: Right. Yeah, th- there are some there are some positives about a player like that in terms of the Steelers if they're going to take a safety, they're really going to want a guy who can have some single high ability because that would enable you to let Minka play elsewhere you know in in critical situations let's say there's a shirt third and short in the middle of the field third and you know three in a little passing situation you'd love to be able to bring Minka down to play one-on-one on like a tight end or a slot receiver or something like that but where it stands now you can't trust Terrell Edmonds to play deep so you need to keep Minka back there pretty much at all times it'd be great if you had another guy who could play deep and Free Minka up to do some other things now ashton davis redshirt senior so that's a little bit outside of the steelers uh you know zone of what they like to do but do do we have anything on his athletic testing like what he did for the for like the 40 or like how how fast he is like truly obviously he's a track guy but or the cone Not drills
1: 14 reps yeah. on the bench that's it
0: That's not enough. Well, either way, just like you said, these are just, yeah, these are, um, these are just some names to look out for that uh, have been rumored uh, to be linked with the Steelers or just guys who are even available.
1: Yeah. So the other two guys, uh, there, there's something about them. I just wanted to highlight when we talk about NFL bloodlines, Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota, son of former NFL standout Antoine Winfield. So check one in the positive box. He, um... Problem is that he was redshirted in 2017 and 18, had a great 2019. He is a quote unquote heat seeking missile, and he's got great ball skills. But sort of that length, that, that limitation of just playing a senior year probably is a reason not to go after him.
0: Well, the Steelers love the NFL bloodlines. You know, Bush, his dad played in the NFL. Watt, we obviously know about that family. Edmonds, we know about that family. So they do love those bloodlines. That's not a crazy one. A lot of people talking about him with the Steelers. So my favorite, and <laughs> because of where he is from,
1: Kyle Duggar from Lenore rhyne Have you heard of Lenore rhyne No. Back from your lacrosse days. It is one of the six Division II schools in the country hmm. in North Carolina. One interesting connection is some of the tape I watched was um, from ESPN, and guess who was one of the broadcasters who big trick big trey essex
0: trey essex yes fantastic so this guy that's insane how do you work your way up to the nfl that way well
1: that would be that's why i'm bringing it up i mean he is he is listed as a as a potential target um explosive big hitter he's a big guy but quote unquote you might as well have been watching his high school tape Considering the competition <laughs> level of Ryan, and he right. did not only was he destroying, he was bigger than almost everybody in the field. So yeah,
0: well, he's only six one two seventeen, so that's a nice size safety, uh, not too big. It doesn't sound like, but uh, yeah, well, Draft Network that has his, has him ranked as the sixth best safety in the class, and so that says a lot.
1: Cliff Harris Award winner, best defensive player in Division two, and he's the all time leader in punt return yardage for the school. So. He might have another dimension that would entice us to take a chance. on. I
0: was going to say, if you're playing D2 and it, it is clear that it's a man among boys, he better have been playing some offense or returning. Yeah, there was plenty of highlight tape of him returning punts. Cool. I like it.
1: So what I think we ought to do now is collectively bow our heads and pray for Antonio to do something on Instagram this week.
0: Anything. Somebody. <laughs> I, think, I don't, don't think we players. even have to pray. I think that you can count on it. You can count on it happening. So it'll be interesting. The NFL is saying that they are all systems go for the season. I can't imagine. Well, obviously, like mini camps and stuff like that aren't going to happen. I don't even know what's going to happen with training camps if you know this COVID stuff is going to affect all that, you kind of think it would. But right now, the NFL is keeping on a straight face and just saying it's going to be business as usual. So we're ticking Let's down to the draft. Far.
1: Don't get too far ahead of ourselves. The thing I'm yeah, worried true. about is that the NFL gets Corona shamed into not having the draft in some by some ridiculous quarters of our of our society. No, nah, they're all having it. Goodell,
0: have- Goodell said that they're having it for sure.
1: All right. Well, a lot of governors said they more. weren't going to close their state either, and they've
0: been shamed yeah. into it. So, well, there we do have a governor who just found out that Corona is contagious, basically. <laughs> Steelers, <laughs> Steelers, Steelers, <laughs>
1: Steelers. Check us out on Instagram at Steelers Outpost. Hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Shoot us an email at Steelers Outpost at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go Steelers.
0: Okay, bye bye. indeed.com slash match terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2: achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking what's your secret begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 bite clear aligners are doctor directed and delivered to your door